So we continue this morning, The Wise and Otherwise, a series based on the book of Proverbs. We're going to finish the rogues gallery this morning. We'll be talking about the scoffer or the mocker. But to this point, we've dealt with the simple and then the fool and last week, the sluggard. I got some interesting feedback on that one. I have it on good authority, true, true, good authority, that at 11 o'clock that Sunday, when WRS was opening, there were 36 people in the parking lot wanting to get in so that they could work out that day. Now, I don't know where they went to church, but I do know this. We ended at 1030 and WRS opened at 11 and the people were waiting outside. So maybe, maybe the sermon had an effect. Who knows? Who knows? I also know there's a certain longtime member who will not be named who was seen at w, uh, HEB after the service <laughs> buying an air conditioner filter. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's because you skipped church last week <laughs> or you slept through the sermon, whatever. So who knows? Who knows? Maybe sometimes sermons get through. But this morning, I want to talk not about the sluggard, but about the scoffer or the mocker. Here we're talking about someone who is full of pride, who looks down on other people and doesn't mind giving voice to their criticism of others, even their abuse of other people. The mocker is someone who's always ready with a put down, always ready with sarcasm and ridicule. And there are times I think our entire culture has, has slipped into that mode of mocking continually. We see it in politics. Our whole political discourse is full of mockery. But it's not just that. Even in, in our popular culture, you see it everywhere. Just a few years ago, there was a, a painting of the Virgin Mary that sold at auction. $4.5 million. This wasn't your typical painting. The artist actually used as part of the materials for his art, elephant dung. And around Mary were obscene images. $4.5 million for that kind of sacrilege. But you see, the artist was mocking because the mocker has no fear of God. And because the mocker has no fear of God, he or she has no respect for other people. And so we see in our culture a meanness that has taken over. It's just mean and nasty and cruel and brutal and cutting. You see it in social media everywhere, just ridiculing people, punching down on people. Now, I say punching down because there's, there is, in some cases, a role for mockery and ridicule when one is punching up. You see it in the Bible. Isaiah, for example, ridicules craftsmen who are using wood to create idols 
that once they finish their work, they'll bow down before the idol as their God. He ridicules that. And you'll also see the prophets mocking those who are in positions of power, who posture, who are full of themselves, who put down other people. And to bring them back down to planet Earth to administer a little reality therapy, they will laugh and scorn that kind of thing. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the mocker who is continually just bringing their, 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 their spite wherever they go. You ever seen the Peanuts comic strip? Of course you have. Everybody knows Peanuts. You know Pigpen? Pigpen, wherever he goes, there's always this cloud of dirt surrounding him. Of course, he's rather proud of it. He says, this is the dust of ancient civilizations. <laughs> the mocker is like that. They, they have a cloud with them. So wherever they go, whoever they encounter, there's always the sarcasm. There's always the put down. There's always the ridicule. There's always this effort to put people in their place. So in Proverbs it often speaks of such people as those who cause division, those who cause strife. Wherever you go, wherever they go, rather, you can be sure that there will be people set against other people. So, for example, 29.8, mockers stir up a city, but the wise turn away anger. The image in the Hebrew is of somebody blowing on embers, trying to cause a flame to burst out. And that's what mockers do. Wherever they go, they just blow on the embers, trying to stir up strife, turning people against each other, insulting people, showing their insolence and their pride. And they go about their work, and it's before too long, there is all of this turmoil, and it's because they bring it with them. It's them bringing it like a cloud all around them. If a wise person, it says in 29.9, if a wise person goes to court with a fool, the fool rages and scoffs and there is no peace. When you go to court, the idea is that you're bringing evidence. You're bringing rational argument and there's going to be an impartial look at that evidence and a decision is going to be rendered. But with the mocker, there's not going to be any impartial look at the evidence. Instead, they will rage, they will scorn you, they will mock and attack you because you can't come to them and talk rationally. They're not going to take that. They're too full of themselves, too full of their pride. They don't want to hear it. In fact, if you try to correct such a person, What's going to happen? 9-7, whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. You know, what, what the person who's like this does is, is they want to tell you it's really about you. You say something, something that you know is constructive, you're trying to be helpful, 
and they make it about you. They can't believe you said such a thing. And they turn on you and they find everything wrong with you and everything wrong you've ever done. It takes seconds before the original issue is no longer on the table. It's all about you. But you see, it's not about you. It's about them. Because anything that punctures their self-flattery arouses their pride and their anger, and they come back with their insolent insults. They won't hear it. And so you face abuse and, and aggressive anger. Have you ever been in that situation? I think we know what we're talking about. And as with all of these rogues, there's a little bit of mocker in all of us. And so there are times when we can act just like that. But what it says in Proverbs, this is very interesting to me, what it says in Proverbs about how you deal with the mocker, there are times when, you know, you think that if you can just be reasonable, if you just use I messages so that they won't be offended, you know, when, when that happens, I feel, and you think if I just do it just right, everything's going to be okay. It will not be okay. Sometimes the only way to bring peace is to drive the mocker out. That's not my advice. 22.10, drive out the mocker and out goes strife. Quarrels and insults are ended. I forgot to give him a slide for that one. Thought about the verse this morning, so I threw it in. In other words, sometimes the only way to get peace is to just cut the person off, to not engage them, because they're not going to allow peace. It's like, it's like public speakers. Every once in a while, there'll be a heckler and they'll try to take on that heckler and every once in a while it'll work. But generally, public speakers are told, never engage a heckler because now you're on their territory and they'll say anything and they'll do anything. You don't engage a heckler, you try to get them out of the room. And that's the way it is with a scoffer or a mocker, that the best way is to get them out of the room. It can be hard, but you're not going to be able to break through. Now, I understand this is, this is true of, of every one of these rogues. They are painted in bright colors with a broad brush. And it's not as if God can't get through to people. He does get through. He gets through to mockers. He gets through to fools and simpletons and even sluggards. If he couldn't, he couldn't get through to us, right? But typically, when you have someone who is abusive and angry and always ready with a put down, the best thing you can do is just go somewhere else. Just go somewhere else. It says, in fact, that people despise mockers, and there's a reason. It also says that mockers, they don't want to hear any correction or any rebuke, so they avoid the wise. So there's kind of a separation of the ways. Now, what I'm trying to get to with all of this is that as Christians, we are called to a whole different way of life. And what's interesting is the New Testament actually talks quite a bit about scoffers and mockers. It says in one place, actually two, that in the last day, scoffers will come, 2 Peter 3, scoffing and following their own evil desires. And I think that's a striking word when we look at our culture and how it seems as if that spirit 
that the spirit of ridicule has taken over in so many, so many places. I really became more aware of this um, some years ago. It's been a while now, but someone told me about a comedy program where the host was a Christian, a Christian who would give his testimony uh, in various churches, various venues. And I thought, no, that's interesting. It was one of those programs where they would review the news and they would have celebrities and they'd show clips and, and comment on it and get it laughs. Well, I was curious about it. I turned it on one day and what an eye opener. Every video was carefully edited to make the person look ridiculous. Sometimes sound effects were added. Occasionally, bathroom sound effects. Whatever it takes to get a cheap laugh, right? And the host, this person who gave their Christian testimony in various venues, would make faces and use tones of voices, all intended to show that these people are so ridiculous. These people aren't worth the moments of your notice. Let's laugh at them. Let's scorn them. And I remember seeing that thinking, you know, what has happened that this is what we call entertainment and it's even acceptable to many Christian people, you know, who are, who are touting the program and, and saying, here's a Christian who's leading it. The thing is, since that time, it seems to me, it's only become more pervasive and it's become crueler since that time. And so especially our young people suffer from it because, see, they're awash in it through social media and everything else. But here's the thing. Even if they aren't being ridiculed, the fact that others are puts them at risk. Puts them at risk because they always know they could be next. And I suppose that's true for many of us, but for young people in particular who are so vulnerable to this kind of thing, can be so harmed and so damaging, the ridicule can just wither them up. And that's the world in which they live. It doesn't belong in the church. Now, you remember when I referenced Jesus when speaking of fools? You know, Jesus says, don't call anyone a fool. And I made the point that Jesus himself called people fools on occasion. And certainly the book of Proverbs does. When Jesus forbid calling someone a fool, he was really talking about this kind of mockery this kind of ridicule, this hateful put-down. It comes from the Sermon on the Mount. He talks about anger and the kind of anger that issues in murder. So you're talking about an anger that is full of contempt, an anger that wants to erase another person from existence. And then he wants to say, and does say, that even if you don't commit murder, you can have that same kind of spirit on some level working in your conversation. And it's in that context that he says this, Matthew 5, 22, I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Now he's talking about this kind of anger, not just your ordinary garden variety anger that we all deal with. He's talking about this contemptuous kind of anger. He says, anyone who's angry in that way will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka is answerable to the court. No one's quite sure what raka means. It basically means you're an empty-headed fool, but no one knows exactly what its resonance is, but it's clearly a term of, rebu uh, of abuse. 
And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Now, notice this. Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's talking to believers, followers of Jesus. He's talking to them. And he's making it very clear that none of this, none of this has any place in the church. None of it has any place among his followers. And he even indicates that where it exists, where it exists, you don't see authentic discipleship. He, he warns about hell. He, he leaves it a little vague. He leaves it a little vague. They're in danger of the fires of hell. It doesn't mean they're going to hell. It's not always clear because Christians can sometimes behave in pretty awful ways. We've all done it. But the Lord is, is trying to make clear that this kind of spirit that is expressed toward other people, certainly toward God, the mockery of God, but usually in the church, it'd more likely be toward one another, toward other people. That, he says, has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. So he says, you do that and you don't look like a disciple and you're in danger of the fires of hell. That's quite a statement, isn't it? Quite a statement. But it has no place among God's people. The church has to be a place where people are respected. Everyone is seen as creating the image of God, and we reverence God, so we respect people. We, we love people, and, and we don't ridicule and put down and attack and explode over them, use sarcasm, cut them to pieces, whatever it is. That's what the mocker does. Listen to this, Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Do you see the progression there? First, walk in step with the wicked, then stand in way with sinners, and then sitting in company with mockers. Blessed is the person who does not do that. Instead, their delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. In other words, you have the person who is humble before the word of God, who, who lives on that word who allows their life to be conformed to that word, that person is connected with God and they thrive under the blessing of God. How different from those who sit among the mockers. Two different categories of people. This sort of thing has no place in the church. But also, the church of Jesus Christ must not yield to this kind of thing either. Jesus, when he was crucified, was mocked. They spit on him. They bowed before him, mocking him as a king, thinking that he was nothing but a pretender. And they crucified him. So Jesus was mocked. His followers get mocked. Paul, when he was in Athens, the university town of that time. He's there and there are scholars gathered about. And when they heard him talking about the resurrection, it says they scoffed at him. The whole idea is nonsense. 
Well, that didn't intimidate Paul. He just continued on preaching the gospel and leading people to Christ. In the same way, we as believers living in a culture where more and more people are mocking God, listen to the music, watch the movies, more and more people are mocking God, and one of the ways they do it is by mocking God's people. Christians must not Yield to that and be intimidated by that. Back down in the face of it. Absolutely not. We are to stand with our heads high, declaring ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, who endured shame for us. And so we don't hesitate to endure shame for him, especially when, when the people who would seek to shame us if they could see rightly, would recognize that they themselves are in desperate need of being forgiven for their sins. And we look to Christ in hope that, yes, we shall be forgiven for our sins. What should we be ashamed of? Sin, not Christ, sin. I remember before I came to Christ, the thing that held me back for such a long time was shame. I didn't want to be shamed in front of friends, shamed in front of acquaintances. That here I'm following Jesus, that's religious. And I didn't grow up thinking religious was a good term. And so I held back for a long, long time. We as Christians shouldn't do it. Let me read to you from the Psalms, Psalm 119. Listen to this. The arrogant mock me unmercifully. But I do not turn from your law. I remember, Lord, your ancient laws, and I find comfort in them. Folks, as Christians living in this day, we can't be distracted by people who would attack our Lord and attack us for following him. We can't be distracted by that. You know, when you go to a basketball game and the the visiting team has a free throw, And the player's up there about to shoot that free throw. And what happens behind the goal? You know what happens. Yeah, they start waving. They're screaming. They've got all kinds of curly cue stuff. They're waving back and forth, trying to visually throw off that player. By the way, um, I want to talk to Coach Drew because if he really... If he really wants to be effective, he needs to talk with the people who sit in that section, have them do all of that. Just do all of it. But then, just before the person shoots, go still and silent. Now, that'll mess with their minds. That could win a national championship. Just go silent. But anyway, you see what happens. They, you know, we do all that stuff. The players have learned to block that out. They don't pay attention to that. It's just all this movement behind, and, and it's what, it's just background noise. It's background movement. They don't even see it. They just go and they take the shot. In the same way, we as believers, we don't have to worry about what people say about us or people, you know, blaspheme, mockers seek to put us or the Lord down. We we don't listen to that. We don't get moved by that. That's background noise. We focus on the word of God We follow Jesus Christ, and we're faithful to him. Moment, I'm going to lead us in prayer, but I want to make an appeal to you. If you today are in the position I was years ago, 
and you have a sense that the Lord is calling you, you know you need Jesus Christ because you need forgiveness and you need a new new way forward. The life you've been living so far, it's led to a dead end. There is no way forward. And you're here because you know that, and yet what's holding you back is you know not everyone's gonna applaud you. You may have family. You may have a spouse that will do anything but support you. They will try to hold you back. They'll laugh at you. They'll mock you. It may be friends. Who knows? Who knows? But you're holding back. Do not hold back this morning. I just appeal to you. Don't hold back. Forget the background noise. Jesus Christ saves sinners like you, like me, like all of us. And I want to appeal to you to receive Christ as your Savior this morning. I'm going to lead us in prayer now, but when the service is finished, I'm going to be in the front, and I would love to speak with you. If you make the decision to follow Christ, you just slip out from where you are. While everyone's walking toward the door, you walk toward the front. I'd like to talk with you. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we know that we're sinners, But Lord, we're thankful that you sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins. And so we know there is hope for us. And Lord, we're not going to stand back in shame as if we we have anything to be ashamed of in following you. We're ashamed only of our sins and we thank you for the forgiveness that allows us to live a new life. Lord, we pray for anyone here who you are drawing by your spirit, who at this moment is holding back because they're afraid of what others will say. They're afraid of mockers and scoffers. Lord, would you give them grace to step toward life this morning? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.